following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. In a post-apocalyptic world, decimated by a global pandemic, two men will arise to talk about movies. Featuring the Quote King, Austin Kelm, the Wizard of Jaws, Derek Jaws, they are the Podducers. Lights, camera, action. What is going on, everybody? I am Derek Jaws. I am here with the Quote King, Austin Kelm, and we are episode one of the Podducers. Austin, what's up, buddy? What's up, buddy? I appreciate the uh, the new nickname you gave me. Well, listen, this one fits. Uh, we couldn't call you the quote king on the sports podcast because it doesn't really make sense. I agree with you. That, that I got nothing, nothing there. Uh, I have a new nickname for every podcast I'm on. This is uh, the Wizard of Jaws. So, which I w- was a fan of. I like that one. That's yeah. A good I, one. I actually created a uh, a little graphic where I look like the Wizard of Oz head in the throne room of Oz. It's good stuff. <laughs> but. Uh, you guys will see that eventually on our social media page. You can go find us on Facebook. We just created it, invited a bunch of people. Uh, it's just the producers, and you'll find us there. And basically what we're going to do is we're going to pick a movie every uh, every episode, and we're going to talk about it. That's pretty much all it is. So uh, we're starting. Austin picked this one, and I'm going to let him I'm going to let him take the reins on picking most of the movies. And he picked Mrs. Doubtfire. I did. I did. And for me, it is my number one all-time favorite comedy. I have all kinds of movies broken down into different genres. There's favorite action movie, favorite drama movie, but this one is my number one favorite comedy. Um, For me, it checks all the boxes from uh, content to soundtrack to uh, I don't care how many times I've watched it. I laugh at the same damn parts over and over and over again. It gets me every time. Um, and I think really it just speaks to the fact that Robin Williams is, was a genius um, at what he does. And he was a master of his craft. He he absolutely was. This is probably one of the first movies I remember him being in. Uh, true. True. Yeah, so this I mean, movie, 90, 93. So yep, we were six years old. 93. Way back. And we, we were laughing about it because it's rated PG 13. And we're like, we both watched this as kids. Like, I don't know that this should have, especially nowadays, like it's not, it's not going to be, it, it definitely wouldn't hold up to that PG 13. Uh, we talked about it before we hit record. There's like a scene where someone flips someone off and that was like, Oh my God, back in the early yeah, 90s. That was full speed. That was a, like shock value there in 1993. And, but I, I think it's, it, it really, it, it holds true in a lot of different ways today, just between f- family dynamic and divorce and what, what kind of havoc that wreaks on families and stuff like that. And what great lengths some people will go to, to, to stay connected with their families. Um, I don't know. It just from a, from a, a real quality yeah. content, I, I think it just, it speaks it's, in a lot of different levels and it still holds true almost 28 years later. It, it's definitely a comedic take on that approach of like the approach of what do I need to do to see my kids? For those of you who don't know, the storyline is an eccentric act, eccentric actor daniel hillard is amusing as an amusing and caring father apparently i can't read and speak today uh (laughs) but after a disastrous birthday party for his son chris and his wife miranda draws uh for their son chris his wife miranda draws the line in the sand and files for divorce he can see their children only only once a week which doesn't sit well with him 
He also holds a job at a TV studio as a shipping clerk under the recommendation of his liaison. Uh, but when Miranda puts out an ad for a nanny, he takes it upon himself to make a disguise as a British lady named Mrs. Doubtfire. And he must also deal with Miranda's new boyfriend, Stu Dunmire. Uh, this movie is so, so funny. Uh, and if, you, you know that you've you know, you've heard probably the most popular quote from it. And I'm going to steal this one from a man because he's probably got the rest of them online. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. You go to town, man. Hello. One of I mean, the, go ahead. The, the, the man, well, the man slams his face into a into a birthday cake and he comes <laughs> up with completely covered in frosting. So he's out of his makeup already, but he's like it, it's someone's coming to the house. If memory serves, it's been a, like been a while. It's, since it's I've a seen liaison. The, the, the divorce woman's like coming to check on his apartment to make sure it's a suitable living environment for the children. So she's coming by to just check on him and he's not wearing his uh, Mrs. Dalfar mask and makeup and slams his face into his daughter's birthday cake right like throw, throws a sweater on quick throws the wig on slams slams his face into the birthday cake pops up and he's just covered in frosting hello and does which the whole you, scene covered in cake which which i mean that that's that's your jam and see like my one of my favorite ones is just she uh it gets pissed off at pierce brosnan who's Stu dunmire and throws a lime at the back of his head while they're at the pool and he turns around <laughs> and looks like who just threw Fruit at the back of my head. She goes, oh, I saw it. It was an angry member of the kitchen staff. Did you not tip them? Oh, the thief, they ran that way. It was a run by fruiting. And I'm like Every time, run by fruiting just gets me every time. Between that and dude looks like a lady and he's dancing with that broom guitar while sweeping the house. Uh, oh, like, All-time classic. If you haven't seen something that you feel would be classic Robin Williams, this movie's it. Like th this is classic Robin Williams. Um, I mean, my first day as a woman, I already getting hot flashes. Like uh, seriously, <laughs> setting the boobs on his fake woman costume on fire in the first day he's a woman, and just first first trying to pat him out with the spatula, and that doesn't work. So he grabs the lids off of the saucepans and then puts out his boobs with with the lids from the food. Just so ridiculous. I, I mean, really, and his everything about Robin Williams from. A doing so many different voices in the movie to uh, the main voice, obviously done for Mrs. Doubtfire, but then also being a serious dramatic actor and dealing with his ex-wife and the problems that it's causing in their marriage um, to being an absolute a goofball off the wall, dancing on their living room piano with his son during that birthday party you mentioned in the beginning of the movie to jump around, jump around, jump up, jump up and get, and down. get down. Yeah, you got it. So that's uh it's him in a nutshell. It's it's what he brings to the table. And I don't think anybody else could have done that role. No, I, I don't remember. Do you remember a couple? I don't know how long ago it was, but it was a little while ago. There was like a weird, not true rumor that they were going to get like Jonah Hill to, to like redo Mrs. Doubtfire or like, do you remember I, that? It was I, on I Facebook. I didn't see that. No, it, 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 it wouldn't have been good. It wouldn't be good. I don't care who they would have stuck in there. It would not have been. I think the kosher would not be good. The only person, in my opinion, that could have come close to something like this might be Jim Carrey. I, and that was that was my thought, too, just off the top of my head that that would have gone. But but there's no modern comedic actor that could even they could not put on Robin Williams Brazier for this. Well, he's listen, he's in the Hall of Fame. He's he's all time. 
like Robin Williams is right up there at the tippy top. He of, might be. He might be comedic. on the comedic Mount. He might be on the comedic Mount Rushmore. Mount sure. Rushmore. Wow, I really can't talk today. I apologize. <laughs> I've recorded like nine hours of podcast this week, and apparently my mouth is just done. Oh, now we know how Matt Johnson feels. That's we sure right. do. Oh, hey, Matt. Poor, poor Maddie. Okay. <laughs> um, but no, I'm with you. Mount Rushmore. He's he's up there. I don't care what kind of Mount Rushmore for actors you're doing, but he's he's what he'd be on mine. Yeah, from I, just all, all time comedic role. I mean, just from the genie from Aladdin to Mrs. Doubtfire. I mean, he has got so all time I, stood the test of time. Movies. I would I would even push the envelope to say that he would not only be on the comedic actor, but pro- possibly on like the actors hall of fame, like all actors of all genres. He might be one of my four. That's true. That's true. And I think he's certainly known, obviously, more for his comedic yes, prowess. But, but he, I mean, I, he's, I, he's also done a ton of other things that were incredibly like that were serious, that were dramatic, that were. I mean, not, not to change gears to a different movie because we were talking about Mrs. Doubtfire, but Goodwill Hunting. He's phenomenal in that movie. I mean, and it won an Oscar like he is incredible in that role. And he's really it's a little bit funny. And, and there's some scenes in that that are, again, Robin Williams ad libbed where he's got Matt Damon in stitches and it's the, like the cut they used in the movie, but he's just laughing his ass off. And that's just his, his genius. And it's really not a, it's quite a serious role for, yeah. for him really. And it's certainly kind of a 180 from what he normally does. I mean, he played Teddy Roosevelt in night of the museum twice, right? Uh, he was in an episode of law and order. Uh, like been weird. Yeah. Was, um, was he the guy that died? I don't know. Is he like, it, uncredited in a, in a bag, like they're putting him on a gurney and he's getting shipped away. Uh, he made he, his character character name was Merritt Rook. It was in okay. That, oh, okay. So it's, it's been a hot second. Yeah. 13 years. I mean, just, he did like voice acting for stuff. Uh, it, like just so many, so many uh, bicentennial man. That's 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 right up there. I, I like that one as well. That's, and that that's the one where he starts off as a robot, and by the end of the movie, like he's one hundred forty something years old, and they finally did like yeah. consider him, him human. Yeah. Yep. And you know what the thing is too, and I, and I think we we've just um, proven to ourselves and everybody else that who's out there listening that this will not be the last Robin Williams movie. That, that oh God, talk no! About not even kind of this podcast. But I mean, as far as Mrs. Delphar goes. Like I said, from across the board, his relationship with his youngest daughter, you know what I mean? And reading Stuart Little to her is, is adorable where he does all the voices in the movie and stuff like that. But then also has no issues uh, making fun of his mother-in-law like we've seen any other time in any other whatever movie, TV show, you name it. Making fun of your in-laws is like uh, top notch. So he's having like a really awesome, like awful, but sweet sentimental moment as he's moving out of his house. And she's like, I don't want grandma to read the book to me. Like she doesn't do the voices and she always skips parts. Plus she smells funny. And he's like, that's the formaldehyde. It's okay. <laughs> it's like, she doesn't know what formaldehyde is or whatever. Or it's like when they're having dinner later and he's like, I hate to think your mother came down with a Mebec dysentery. And she's like, what's a Mebec dysentery? And her brother tells her it's where you get diarrhea forever. And she looks at the camera and goes diarrhea forever. Like it's the worst <laughs> thing she's ever heard of in her life. Like it's, I mean, the little girl, again, another one, her and Matilda and, and in that movie, she was like the cutest little kid ever. And, and her really her on-screen chemistry with Robin Williams, as young as she was, is uh, another awesome part of this movie. I agree. Uh, little known fact about this movie. And we actually 
talked about this on an episode of common debauchery. It came up, but Rob to, to test run the Mrs. Doubtfire outfit. They dressed Robin Williams up in it and walked him out in front of his own kids. And they didn't recognize him until he started speaking. And it was only because they had heard his fake old woman voice before. Like, right. Well, <laughs> how many how many different voices do you think that the that Robin Williams kids have had to go through oh in, my in their lives? A, a million. Uh, it's uh, on a on a on a Tuesday, probably. Uh, right, right. That you never knew who was coming downstairs to breakfast. He literally could have been anybody at any time. But yeah, that that was one of the uh, one of the fun facts that I found about this movie is that his own kids didn't recognize him until he started speaking, and then they were like, "Oh, get out." no no and they're like yeah that's dad sorry (laughs) like which which shows you how impressive the makeup job was and like robin williams wanted it wanted it to be believable he wanted it to be believable that the kids wouldn't know it was him in the movie so how how do you make the kids not know it's you like well my kids didn't recognize me in the outfit so totally believable which would show again how good the hair and makeup and everything was. I don't. I don't know if it was a category back in the day. I don't know if it was a, if hair and makeup was an Oscar you could win. But how was that one not winning? That you turned him into a person that his own children didn't recognize. I mean, phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, it, how how often have you seen a movie where like you've seen something and you're like, okay, that's not believable. No, they test ran this in real life. Right. <laughs> as soon as it was for real. For real, in front of the Mansell family, because I really where I thought you were going with that, because I did not know that little tidbit, believe it or not. Um, I thought you were going to say that he like walked around the cast and crew or, you know, walked around the studio, you know, talking to like, the guy that brings the sandwiches or the bagels like that guy. I didn't recognize him, but that, <laughs> to be his own kids, that's level 11. That's way up there. Uh, so I looked it up while we were talking here. Uh, he they it did win the Academy Awards Oscar for best makeup. Okay, as it, as it should have. Okay, all is right in the universe. That's okay. I feel okay with this. It was Nobody a nomin- was robbed. It was a nominee for best hair and makeup at the BAFTA Awards in '95. Um, in two 2000- thousand. Wait, hold on. What? Apparently, okay. So, I, and I don't understand how. Um, this move. This okay. Mrs. Doubtfire has been nominated for twenty-one total awards and won eleven of them. So. Winner for best makeup, uh, a nominee for best hair and makeup at BAFTA, the 2020 awards in 2014. It, a little, little delayed reaction there, a little long fuse in that one. Yeah, uh, it won best makeup. Uh, the American Comedy Awards, it won funniest actor leading role, Robin Williams and uh, Pierce Bronson and Harvey Fierstein, uh, Fierstein were funniest supporting actor in motion picture nominees and that one that was his his ex-wife's new beau and his gay brother who does all of the makeup and turns it there they work for like movie sets yes and his brother is the one who turns him into a woman uh it won the ascap tops top box office film uh it was nominated for best actor and best makeup at the acca awards uh it was a nominee for best casting for a feature film uh from the Casting Society of America, the Golden Globes, it won both Best Motion Motion Picture Comedy or Musical and Best Performance by an Actor in a Motion Picture Comedy or Musical. 
So really what you're saying is it, it did get the credit it was due. Absolutely. It, it, right. Yeah. It, it didn't fly under the radar. People were in full awe of his genius in the it, time. It, and I mean, apparently it, it, several inter- years later, international awards from the golden screen and internet uh, Italian national syndicate of film journalists. It won both of those uh, a PG 13 movie, one kid's choice award. Which fa- is okay. That's, as long as it's not R, I feel like I, I'm on board with that. That's okay. Yeah, uh, but I, com- I also see in a little way like why it did get PG thirteen. Yeah, like like you kind of, like you understand a little bit now. Like today, it might legitimately get away with going like PG. Like I've seen some it, odd it, movies that are, it, it like- very well may. And the, I think the the funny part about this, and this is going to be something that we try to do almost in every episode in one way, shape, or form, uh, especially when we're talking about older movies. Would Mrs. Doubtfire pass the 2021 test? So as in, we, as in, would they make it today? Is that, is would that, is would it, they make yay, it? Yay or nay? Is that we doing this pass fail? That's just, would, would they make it today? Or if they did make it today, would it be subject to the scrutiny of 2021? Because we all know that things come out and people don't like them and they get cancel cultured. Right. So like, and that would be, and it's, unfor- so I do think this movie would get made. So I, if, we, if it's just strictly on a pass-fail grading, I do think that they would make this today. I think the – I don't know. the I don't want to say there's an uproar about it, but I think the dressing a man up like a woman, I think a lot of people would feel like, well, they just keep slamming this culture down our throats or whatever. You know what I mean? I, I think that bugs a certain number of people, and I feel like that would have been some of the quote-unquote backlash when regardless of how good it is, They'd be like, "Oh, Hollywood doing it again." Do you know what I mean? It would just—they'd be some people it, would be sour on it. I, I don't know why, but they I, would. I—I—I I, I, I agree with that, and I also think you'd see the other side of it, of, uh, and, and like The Rock went through this recently. Uh, I forgot what movie it was. It was the one where like it was an earthquake or whatever, and he was oh, trying yeah. to save okay. people from a building. Yep. Um, he was playing a disabled vet in that movie, mm-hmm. and people were up in arms saying. Why didn't you cast an actual disabled vet to play this? It would have been more meaningful. There are there are disabled vet actors out there. Why didn't you cast one for the role? And it was like because we made the movie for The Rock to play the main like if, like we wrote this movie with that dude in mind to play the character. If we like if it's not him, we don't make the movie. Right. So well, because like the disabled vet is awesome as he might have been, does not have the marketability of Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Exactly. And I think you might see the other side of that. So you have the like, oh, they're shoving it down our throat. And at the other end, you have the there are people who actually are one way and dress another, so on and so forth. How I, I don't want to mislabel anything, but right. like, wh- why not find someone who does that? Right in real to, life, like, that in is real life, part of is part of their life and part of their demeanor. And, you know, and I, so I, I think you'd actually get it from both ends. Like you'd get the one end like, oh, God, they're shoving it down my throat. And the other other end, that's like uh, you should have not cast him for this role because he did that. It doesn't right. fit. So and yet and yet I, on a lot of levels, I'm just like, that's why it's called acting. Exactly. You know, right. Like that's that's what, they have to test their prowess. They have to see what kind of range they have as an actor. And again, um People paid to see this movie because of Robin Williams, not Stan the accountant. <laughs> right. Like yeah. who does this in his spare time on, right. on nights and weekends. Yeah. Community theater, Carl, like, right. it, you know, who you get to 
play these roles matters. I mean, how many times have we seen a movie that like that would have been good, but the acting was awful. Yep. Yep. I'm with you. And, and I'm sure we'll talk about that because we won't just talk about the best movies on this. Oh, podcast. no. I'm, we will dabble in the ones that should not have been made. And yet here we are. And what they listen, exist in the world. One of my favorite things to do is to talk about like we and we kind of talked about it a little bit at the start of the show with this like with this particular movie. There was nobody else to cast for this part. Nobody else does this like Rob Williams did this. It was one person. I can't imagine the casting interviews went longer than one person. They should have brought in Rob Williams and went, so can you start tomorrow? Or like, what else do you have going on? Right. And I would be intrigued to find out if they wrote this like with Robin Williams in mind or if Robin won the part from somebody. Was it based on a book? I think I don't know. Uh, I I don't don't know. know. Just says just says screenplay screenplay by. So it looks like I mean, whether or not it was written specifically for him. Um, it fit like a glove. I don't sure know if did. the person who wrote the, the duo who wrote it um, did it with any sort of intention of, you know, who would be great for this? Robin Williams. But I mean, at the time, it's it's spot on. It, it, it doesn't fit any better than it does right now. Because I yeah. think in a lot of ways, you, you can have a spirited debate. You and I could go on and on about, you know, who would have been the better Terminator or, or did they get it right the first time or who, you know what I mean? And I don't think there's any sort of debate here with this one at all. Yeah, and I like that. That will be something that we do in other movies. Like, oh, I would have liked to have seen this guy that play this or this guy play that. Whatever. Um, again, they, they there's none of that for this one. They they nailed it. Hit hit the nail on the head. And uh, I think that's about a great way to wrap that up. Is this movie was fantastic? If you haven't seen it, um, you should. It's been out should. for twenty eight years. You really should take a gander at it. Like, yeah, like go back, dial this one up for the kids. Let's see what happens. Uh, I definitely give it two thumbs up and a third if I had one. Is is so. that a, what's a, what is our rating system? Do we have do we have like click clackers like the like lights camera action like that? How many how many uh, is it out of ten? What oh, we, like what's our rating system for this? I oh, so I feel like we should do uh, we each get five and we'll do like we'll we'll actually do like the click clacky symbols that are on our on our logo. Sure. Sure. So like if I say something's a three out of three out of five, you say something's a four out of five. It's a seven out of ten. Got it. This is okay. a five. For, this I'm, is a five. This is a five for five. It's for a me. five. It's a five for me. Like yeah, I, so, I can't so, say I chose this one. So there's probably a certain level of bias, but I, I think it's a five. It's a ten. It's got to be. Yeah. So so the the pod deucers give this. 10 clacky symbol things, which we'll find a better name for. eventually. Uh, well, actually, we'll probably just look up what the actual name of the <laughs> click, click clacker device is and we'll figure out what that is. And then we'll call it that. Uh, either way, 10 out of 10. I give it a good one. Uh, Austin does, too. Obviously, he picked it. And top to bottom, this movie was fantastic. Uh, this this has been fun for a flagship episode of a podcast. We're you know trying to find our stride and figure out what we are learning how, as we go. You know, and that's how these Hashtag things go. C- Click clacker. What's it called? <laughs> We're doing it. Uh, yeah, right, we'll figure it out. So, yeah. Uh, thanks for tuning in, guys. This is part of the BICBP radio network, www.bicbp-radio.com. Uh, it will be on Apple, Spotify, whole nine yards. If you look for it, when you, you know, when you find out about it, uh, if you're, if you're hearing me, you found it somewhere. So uh, thanks for tuning in. And as always, we, uh, we appreciate everyone who tunes in and listens to us and we'll catch you guys next week. Oh, you didn't know? Yo ass better call somebody! Lady!
Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the BICBP Radio Network proudly brings to you its podcast tag team champions of the world, the Nightmare Derek Jaws, Rotten Jack Gene Williams, the host of Common Debauchery. And if you're not down with that, we got two words for you. 